God. Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians chapter 4. It's good to have you all here. We're going to be talking today about our words, about our words. How many of you know you got to do some repenting today about your words? There is nobody here innocent of not saying the wrong kind of words. In the book of Ephesians, it's teaching us the code of conduct for Christianity. So we're going to go to Ephesians 4.17. Please open there with me. In review, we've had the heavenly-minded goodies, and then now we're learning the earthly good as we go verse by verse through the book of Ephesians. I'm going to read Ephesians 4.17 uh, onward to 5.20 without stopping a lot today because I want you to see how words play a part of this context, okay? So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Now, I will just say this, that your words come from your thinking. And if we think as Gentiles, we're going to talk as Gentiles, okay? Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Now, look at verse 19. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. And every kind of impurity is going to be dirty words, when you heard, uh, and by the way, it says that, however, it's not the way you learned the life, the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. So let's just stop here for a second and get an understanding of this. I have what's called VidAngel, a program that, that will filter what's uh, going on uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and HBO and different shows. I know some of you know about it. Let me just give you an example of the level of impurity that's in the world today. One HBO show, 22 minutes long, called Veep, that I want to watch because I think it's kind of my sense of humor. She's from Seinfeld. I, I like her, right? Just on HBO, now, now it's not on, you know, normal TV. Do you know that in a 22-minute show, there's over 40 profanities around 25 F-bombs in one 22-minute show? In the new sci-fi that came out, uh, Carbon something on Netflix that I was going to watch. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you altered Carbon. There we go. 250 either vulgarities, uh, inappropriate sexual things. And Game of Thrones has 150. So whatever Alter Carbon has done, maybe this first episode was extremely worse. It was even worse than Game of Thrones. And Game of Thrones is known to be one of the worst perverted and language-wise. Now think about this. That is normal now. Because most TV is moving away from uh, your normal mainstream shows, uh, TV stations like NBC, ABC, CBS, etc. Now they're coming out on Netflix, they're coming out on Hulu, etc. My friends, that's because people are darkened in their understandings. People do not know the way they're supposed to live anymore. This is becoming normal. And let's just think about the music for a moment. How many swear words and vulgar things are said in those words? Can I get an amen to that? Okay, but that's not the way you learned about Christ. Amen? So we need to be different than that. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, which will include your talking, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Is Jesus going to talk like that? 
No, Jesus is not going to do it the way they do it. Is Jesus going to be okay with that level of sexual perversion and the language that's around that? No. So you were taught differently than that. You were taught to put on a new self that's righteous and holy. Now watch, watch how the words start playing a part of this now. You guys ready? Therefore, each one of you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin, which can include cussing and getting upset with your words. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. Let's read verse 29 together. One, two, three. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Y'all ready for the altar call? Y'all just be honest right now. Let's just call altar workers. Adam, would you come back up, please? It's over. I mean, it's over. That's it. That's the service. I mean, I mean, that is so real. We should all be convicted. Now, I'm not saying we should make an excuse like this is how we ought to always live. But how many know this is probably one of your biggest struggles? If not for, for some of you, your biggest struggle most people, it's going to come down to the words they say. It's going to be lust as a dude, and some ladies, don't get me wrong, but dudes are going to struggle with that, and then words for ladies and for dudes are going to relate to this. I mean, just everybody. Like, it's like three, I just, I can't even tell you personal things, but people confess to me all the time. I just had somebody message me the other day. They're actually not in this church, but, but well, I won't go into details, but they were saying, pray for me, and uh, they, they said, I'm mentoring these guys right now, and the two things they need prayer for is lust in their words. They're cursing all the time. I mean, and, and like I said, maybe ladies don't relate to lust as much, but maybe they do. Who knows? But I know everybody relates to this. And then right after this, look at it, verse 30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit. So our words, like, you know, these unwholesome words can grieve the Holy Spirit with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How many know that takes words? Follow God's example. So whose example are we supposed to follow? God's example, thank you, therefore is dearly loved children and walk in the way of love. And we could say talk as well in the way of love. Just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now watch this. There must not be a hint of these things in our life. These are the things there must not be a hint of. And I've used that illustration before about allergies. You shouldn't have a hint of this in your life because if you have an allergy, it messes you up. And in the same way, this sin blows you up right here. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed. These are improper for God's holy people. Now what I'm going to do today is I'm going to borrow from uh, chapter 5, verse 4 and put it in today's message that that way we can knock it all out at one time with words. Nor, and it's just continuing in the same thought, nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Are you guys ready for the altar call? I'm preparing you. Obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, how many have been convicted watching Saturday Night Live, Mad TV, these uh, YouTube videos that come up, or Facebook videos on your feed, and you're just like, can't watch it, can't watch it. And then other times you find yourself laughing, then you're like, got to repent, got to repent. 
coarse joking. We'll define that a little bit more here in a bit, but rather thanksgiving. Verse 5, for of this you can be sure. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Now, where would we fit in this? We would fit in this in being impure because those words defile us. You will hear from Jesus in just a moment that it's the words that defile you. So impure uh, comes from you not speaking the right words. You can be defiled by your words and not inherit the kingdom of God. And then look at verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. What kind of words will they deceive you with? Empty words, thank you. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So the idea is here, disobedience is what marks sin. Sin is not arbitrary. Sin is what is against God's word. And so if someone says, this is okay to disobey God in this way, it's okay to do this. Their words are empty, and the Bible says you can be sure of this, the wrath of God's coming upon them. Now watch this, more words coming out here just into this passage. For you were once darkness, but you are now light in the Lord. How many of you used to talk just like sinners talk? It was just no big deal. You talk that way. I remember literally as I grew up that I started to learn how to talk two different ways. I would talk one way around my parents, one right way in school, and then one way around my friends. And it would just like click on, click off, click on, click off. And then sometimes if you got me mad enough, I would talk the way I talked around my friends in front of my parents or at school to a teacher because it just depended on how far you would push my buttons, you know? But I literally had two different set of, of, of language skills that I would use. Are you guys listening to me? Come on, let's be honest today. Have you ever been like that? And some of you, as you've gotten older, because many of you gotten saved later on in life. You know, I was a kid most of the time. I was a sinner. I got saved at 18. Uh, but most of you began to carry this into every part of your life. You know, just be vulgar wherever you go. Vulgar, you know, as an adult. Vulgar on your job. Vulgar with your friends, you know. And uh, vulgar with your kids. I mean, God forbid that you would do that. I really want you to repent today if you've been vulgar with your kids. Because you're not in darkness anymore if you're a Christian. You're in light. And if you are in darkness, you're a sinner on your way to hell. And it's not worth it. Go to heaven with Jesus. Amen. Live as children of the light. Now watch this. Once again, apply this to your words. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. So find out how to talk. Find out what words you should use. It's not a mystery, the words we should use. It's, it's going to be clearly taught to us in the Bible. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Now, this is where we're going to learn right here that Christianity or Christ-likeness is not niceness. Somebody better Facebook that. Christ-likeness is not niceness. So many of you think that when I talk about Oprah, and I'm going to give her a break a little bit, and I'm going to start talking about Ellen, by the way. I'm going to start hitting on Ellen now. Ellen's been hitting on my radar because she's like the next level of Oprah, isn't she? She just went full-on fornication and, and lesbianism and weirdness like that, you know. Um, they, they always said that maybe Oprah was hanging out with Gal, uh, or what was her name? Not Gal, but... Uh, Gail, thank you. But I'm not here to judge. I don't know. I'm not going to be like some soap opera up here, you know, like TMZ or something. But I like, like Alan, full-on worldview of, of this culture, secular, doesn't want anything to do with God and Christianity, is going to do things her own way. Now, once, once again, you see, that's not nice, pastor. That's not nice. But the Bible says expose them. 
Expose them. Now, as, as a public figure, I'm not going to expose private people to you. I'm not going to do that because that's inappropriate in our culture. I will do it to you privately. I'll be like, hey, stop hanging around Bob. Bob's crazy, okay? Like when we're hanging out, I'll be like, Bob's no good for you. Your friends are no good. I'll, I'll tell you that. I'm your pastor. I love you like that. I'm going to keep it real, okay? But from the pulpit, I'm a public figure. They can talk about me. I would have no problem if Ellen goes on her show today, shows a video of me, makes her audience laugh at me. I would be okay because I'm a public figure. I can deal with that, amen? So I'm I'm just here to say on that level, I have no problem. But, but here's, here's the issue that many of you have. You think Christ-likeness is niceness. You, you think that the way the world describes niceness is the way we're supposed to live, and that's not true. I was watching a show on a Vice TV, and they were going around following these street preachers that hold up signs and really kind of like are vulgar towards non-Christians or mean towards homosexuals and go to Mardi Gras and places that I've been, and somebody was telling me about it, so I was watching. It's a vulgar show to the guy who hosts it. But uh, the, the idea was these people were so angry, so, so mean, you know, so this guy now wants to find the opposite of that. So so he finds a lesbian couple that's running a church and how awesome they are. And, and in his mindset, he's like, these people are more Christ-like because they're more nice, you know? So these guys over here with their signs, calling people names, they're obviously not, not godly. This guy didn't even believe in God, but he's like, if there was a God, these guys are not on his team, you know? But these lesbians, and he even said, I, I'm not even a Christian, but if I was, I would go to the lesbian church because he associated niceness somehow with the virtue of godliness, you know, but, but that's not true. Uh, both of them are equally going to hell for two different reasons, though, but equally are going to a place where only El Diablo and his angels are supposed to go, and because they're preaching a false gospel. This one preaches the false gospel of, you, you know, sin is, is not too big of a deal to God. You can change your sexuality, your gender, whatever, and, and that's okay, and, and that's a false gospel, and these guys over here are preaching the false gospel of hell and anger and so forth. And I always tell this example, it's in our 201 book, if you're going to see a doctor and you, and you had cancer, and by the way, I'm okay because I remember last week, I forgot to tell you the end of my story. Maybe that was, was that second service? Oh, second service. Sorry, I told a story. I had to go to the doctor because I felt a little lump here. And then I looked at WMD, you know, the website, and I thought I had malaria and only two, two days to live. So I went to the doctor. No, I'm ha half kidding on that. But you know, it was just I stretched a muscle, stretched a stomach muscle up here. But, but anyways, like the doctor, when he comes and checks it out, let's say it is like something really crazy. Would you want Dr. Angry who says, you got a problem and you're going to die. Everything's going to go bad in your life. Like, no, you don't want that guy. Do you want the other guy, doctor, lie to you but be nice to you? There's nothing wrong. You're okay. Here's a lollipop, kid. Come back again another time. No, you want doctor truth. You don't want doctor angry and hate. You don't want doctor lie, feel good. You want doctor truth. And doctor truth comes in and says, hey, here's the truth. Yeah, you do have something here. But you know what? We can fix it. Just relax. We're going to take care of you. And that's the same thing with the gospel. The gospel doesn't come to people going, you're going to hell. I'm happy you're going to hell. And this is what these people were saying. I can't wait for you to go to hell. You know, like they were just rejoicing in the message of hell and judgment. Okay? And some of you may think, I'm like that, but I'm really not like that. Okay? I want you to go to heaven. All right? Do not put me in that category. And then, like I said, then there's the lesbian couple. Like, there's not a hell. Everything just goes. Everything's wonderful, you know? And, and so, once again, we're right in the middle, Dr. Truth. Somebody say Dr. Truth. 
And that's what we're going to do. We're going to expose them with our words. So sometimes you've got to use strong words. You've got to use strong words that somebody else might think is inappropriate, but you've got to be able to say, no, i got to deal with this. i got to say sin is sin. I've got to describe a sin in somebody's life as them being sinners. You know, i got to talk about hell. I've got to say that's stupid. That's foolish. We're not doing that. So we will expose things with our words, and the world may not think we're nice but we're going to be Christ-like, amen? But what we won't do in verse 12 is we're not going to mention shameful things. And by the way, uh, in some of this show I was watching what was going on in Mardi Gras, there's a whole other level of the, of the gay community right now and the disgusting nature of it that I won't even mention here. I won't even mention here. But uh, it's shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. So not only should we rejoice in it and go pay you know, $10 to go watch it at, at a movie theater, we shouldn't even mention what the world is doing in such a shameful way. Does everybody get that? So what our grandparents used to blush at, now we're listening to on the radio. It's shameful to even mention those things with the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That's why it's said, now notice how we can actually use our words. We don't use our words in an unwholesome way. We use them for thanksgiving. We use to, um, uh, you know, expose things. But we also use our words to bring life. Somebody say life. We bring life. Wake up, sleeper. Rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. That's what we're supposed to use our words for. And my wife literally uses those words for me on Sunday, and the kids do. Wake up, Dad. It's time to get up. I love hearing my kids. My wife wake me up on Sundays um, just a little bit, right? But uh, very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. And I told you why it's now the kids that wake me up, right? So it's a little bit easier on my wife, so it's not so hard. I'd be like, leave me alone if it was my wife. If it's like my kids, Dad, wake up. I'm like, oh. I'll be there in a little bit. I just feel like more convicted. You know, be nice to them in the morning. Be very careful then. So we got to live wise. Don't be tricked. Don't be tricked by the entertainment of this world. And I understand, just like most of you do, like there are things that are funny that if it wasn't vulgar, it's good. You know, if it wasn't perverted, it would be a good movie. It would be a good show because we do like adventure. We do like uh, seeing what the vice president, like a female vice president Dreyfus, what she would be like, you know, in the office. I, I, I like that. There's nothing sinful about that, but I don't want to hear her F-bombs every five minutes, you know? And, and by the way, let me just say this before I move on, because I won't spend a lot of time on that, is, uh, you know, people have different opinions on that. They say, well, if you get VidAngel, and then you stream it with the filters, you're still supporting that part of Hollywood, and you're telling them to keep making those things, you know? And that's true, so if you feel convicted, don't watch it at all. But for me, I just feel the whole, that, that whole system's broken anyways, and if I'm going to relax, I don't feel convicted if I put the filter, because I'm supporting VidAngel over them, and then maybe they'll see VidAngel get so much business, they'll say, we'll start making things that VidAngel uh, likes, and people like that. So, you, you know, make your own choice on that. Just wanted to mention that. Uh, because some people are like, why would I even want to filter Game of Thrones? The thing's so disgusting anyway. It's going to tell them to keep making that perverted stuff. But yeah, you know, that's right. Don't do it that way if that's the way you think. Or you could say, because I filter it, I give business fit angel. They're going to now realize there's more people who want it filtered than not filtered. Okay, verse 17. So to each their own on that. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk on wine. How many know people say stupid things when they're drunk? 
So watch your words. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, which is all of that, just cursing, vulgarity, immorality. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now watch all these words. Now we'll spend a whole nother ser- a service on this, sermon on this, but notice all the things we're supposed to do with our words here. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, which is like totally the last thing we think about doing on our job, right? Like, I'm just going to sing you a song here, Mike. You ready? Like, let's start our day today, me singing you a song. Which, by the way, I hear they've done that at Walmart in different places. They hype them up singing songs. And I think, why not? Why not start singing a song at the beginning of every workday? I would implement that if I was your boss, having construction workers singing songs with their hats, a little YMCA action going on there, you know what I'm saying? Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, at least you can do that on the way to work, right? You can do that on the way to your job, on your break, make time to worship the Lord. Here are the instructions on Christian living that we're in right now. I've been giving you guys a little bit longer of intros, so today I wanted to go a little bit faster through them. If you're keeping track, we're on number six. We have a total of 17 messages to go through on this portion of of the, the book of Ephesians, so I want you to join with me. But uh, I want to talk to you today about how, it, how your talk matters, and I think we're all getting the point here, but I want to read it to you from the NLT, the New Living Version, the verse that we're going to work on today, because I think it kind of, it says it in such a way like we just get it, amen? I mean, everybody say, keep it real. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So it's not just don't let foul words come out of your mouth, which is what I've done awesome. Like, man, give me the gold star. I have not said a foul word in over 20 years since uh, like three months or so after I was saved. Give me the gold star. But not so quick, right? Abusive language. (laughs) Harsh language. And I'm just laughing today because I don't want to cry. As I weep over the mistakes I have made with my words, I'm laughing today uh, in my brokenness. I'm beautifully broken broken today. No, I'm kidding. Half kid. No, but I am, I am healed. I am healed and I'm who God said I am. But this is my challenge with my words. Abusive, harsh, stern words and let everything be good and helpful. Don't be harsh. Don't be mean. Now, can we be truthful? Yes. And we'll talk about that in just a moment as I get to some of my extras today about how to really regulate your words, looking to Jesus as our example. But just think of it like this. No unwholesome talk, as we just heard in the NLT, can be foul or abusive. And what that simply means is curse words and destructive speech. So think of wholesome speech is what you're supposed to do. Wholesome speech is not foul, it's not destructive, it's helpful and it builds up. And I like the King James word of what build up is, because think about that, we have to say two words, build up, and the King James word is edify. One word, I like simplification, and I just grew up hearing that word a lot in church, edify. So speak words that edify each other. And if you don't know what that means, what that means is your words should help build them up in the things of God. So we should be building our children up with our words. We should be building up our spouses with our words, building up our customers, building up our employees, building up our companies, and all those we work with. And then it should benefit those who listen. So here's the idea, is that people should hear the conversation, and it should benefit them. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't have confrontation, because even confrontation done right can benefit the hearers. 
When I'm confronting a child that's not being disobedient, my other three children listen real intently, and then it benefits them as well, okay? So once again, we're not equating niceness with Christ-likeness. Christ-likeness is different than social niceness, okay? We're looking to how the Bible tells us to use our words in a big picture way. Now, let me just say these things, which are obvious. I I don't think anything I'm going to say right now is going to really be surprising to you. So I want to just go through everything we just read, give you the put-off analogy and put-on, and then I want to go a little bit deeper because this is where I think we're going to have to to use our, 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 our wisdom on what to do and what not to do. But these are obvious, but let me just encourage you with them. As you look back over that passage, I have the references there. Put off on wholesome words, put on edifying words. Put off slander and put on prayer and compliments, put off obscenity, put on purity, put off foolish talk, put on wisdom, put off coarse joking, put on a holy sense of humor, put off insanity and put on rebukes, put off disgusting sinful conversation and put on beauty in your speech, put off speaking death, put on speaking life, put off complaining, put on singing praise and thanksgiving. Amen. So, I mean, that's kind of obvious right there. The only one that I think uh, is a little bit maybe unique to us that we might want to just hit on before I move on to this, this real heart of the message is uh, this idea of a holy sense of humor. We don't know much about Jesus and his sense of humor, but we, we have to assume because of how he used satire, uh, as we're getting to in just a little bit, that he had to have a sense of humor. He had a way of playing on words with people, and I don't think he was always doing it just harshly, okay? When you call a Jewish person a whitewashed tomb, there is a little bit of like a smack talk in there, you know, and you know, just when I say it, you guys laugh. You know, like Peter had to be like, oh no. (laughs) Oh, he just called them tombs. Oh my goodness. You know, you just know there had to be a humor in that because when we hear people getting called out like that, you're literally calling the most holiest people on the planet, snakes and vipers. You know, somebody in that audience is laughing. Even if it's like serious, like you're so serious, it's still just funny after the fact. Like, dude, you just called these people that because that's the way guys are. And I know ladies are, are as well, but I know certainly around dudes, like it's going to be like, dude, you said that to him. That was hilarious. And then there's other times like Jesus says stuff that's funny, that's a little bit in the culture. We may not catch, we may not always get it. And, and you just have to assume in a lot of ways, which we don't like to do with the Bible. So, you know, if you don't want to assume, that's okay. You don't have to. But I, I take the permission to assume and say he's having fun. But here's what I would say, though I can't find that example with Jesus. There's men of God that I have spent time with, women of God as well, who have loved God their whole life, who have the Holy Spirit, pastors, missionaries, you know, like Tisa and Jean, we've had them here, and they have wonderful senses of humor. Matter of fact, Christians, I see laugh and have real laughter more than than other people. A lot of times you'll be around the world, and they'll kind of have that that laugh that's not really a laugh. It's like, oh yeah, that was funny. You know, and they'll all be sitting at a table, you know, having beer. <laughs> and it's almost like a fake laugh. It's like they're all laughing just to laugh, you know. I'm talking like a real laugh, like a tear coming down your eye, you know, you're like you're bent over. I see that all the time with Christian fellowship because we have true relationships.
relationship with each other. And, and so I know even if I can't like point to a specific time in the Bible where it says, Jesus said this, and they all busted out laughing, even though I may not be able to do that, uh, what I can do is say, as being a Christian, around Christians for all of these years, humor is a, is a great part of our life. And the book of Proverbs, Proverbs even says that laughter does good as medicine. That was like 3,000 years ago, and now whoop-de-doo, not whoop-de-doo, but uh, um, what's the word I was looking for there? No, what's that? Voila, there we go. I knew I had to zone into this man. Look at you. You get a voila for that. Brain thinking faster than my dictionary right there. Missed that program. Insert that word. But not whoop-de-doo, but like voila. 3,000 years later, what does medical science find out? What do brain uh, scientists find out, neuro, neuro uh, people, what do they find out? find out? Laughter does your body good. It releases endorphins. It's part of the plan that God has for you. So look at these things throughout your, your week and be honest with the people around you. Give them you know, the ability to be honest with you, I should say, and ask them, how am I doing in these areas? So I should be able to ask my wife, uh, honey, look at this list. How do you see me acting in life? You know, you're with me more than anybody else. You're with me and the kids. You're with me, you know, in our tough times that we have to talk through issues. Am I doing this okay? If you're not married and, you know, you have close friends and accountability, ask them. Say, how am I doing in these areas? Now, what I want us to do is to look at Jesus and how he told us he's going to judge us by our words. But I want you to see if you can catch that Revy that I just taught you, that Christ-likeness is not social niceness. Whoever put that post up, was it Jared? Would you make sure you put the word social niceness in there, uh, edit it so it says social niceness. Thank you. Because guess what? Here I am as your pastor putting up this scripture for you to know your words are going to be judged, but then all of a sudden something goes down at Brown verse 34 that made me go in a whole nother direction in this sermon where I got to spend some time and see if you catch it because we're not supposed to let any unwholesome words come out of our mouth, right? We're not supposed to have any destructive speech. Watch this, chapter 12, verse 33 of Matthew. Make a tree good and its fruit will be good. That's, that's awesome, right? It makes sense. And make Make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad for a tree is recognized by its fruit. How many are following Jesus right there? If you have a bad tree, we'll know it by its fruit. And as we're going to learn, that's going to be your words. If you have a bad tree, we'll know it by your, by your words. Now look at verse 34. You brood of vipers. <laughs> are you up today? Do you even understand what just happened there? Like Jesus literally just told them. You will be known as a good tree or a bad tree by your words. Now, let me use my words to tell you, you are a brood of vipers. Do you know how this messed me up right here? Because if y'all would be paying attention, you would go, what in the world just happened here? Pastor, he's telling us to have good words, but yet he just called them a brood of vipers. Now, this right here makes us stop and ask a whole lot of questions most of you probably who don't read the Bible seriously have ever come to, and that is, what kind of word is that? Because my friends, our curse words would sound silly to another culture unless they understood them. We call people, you son of a bee, and what is a bee? A female dog. You, you son of a female dog, isn't that what a bee is? But that most people from another culture, we have no idea. Jesus just called them a brood of vipers. Is that literally the equivalent of them just calling you a bunch of son of a beast? And here's the shocking thing. Yes, it is. Jesus cussed 
Yes. Yes. I want everybody to look at me and know why I have to talk to you about the next 20 minutes about how Jesus cussed. Because you're going to learn in just a moment. You think I'm playing about what I got to get into. I, I got to read a whole lot of stuff to you for you to understand what's going on in the Bible. But there's one thing I cannot do, and to tell you that's not Jesus cussing. There's no way around it. When we look at the word cuss, what we're trying to say is you're saying a vulgar word. Or in other words, you're cursing. Jesus literally is cursing them. He is literally cursing them. Now, somebody may say, let's back up. Maybe this is not a curse word. My friend, if calling Jewish people the holiest people on the planet who prided themselves in being sons and daughters of God via Abraham, if calling them a brood of vipers, which is the equivalent of Satan in the Bible from the Garden of Eden, and if that is not cussing them out, then I don't know what a cuss word would have been in 1 AD. Are you listening? You know, at the time they're doing this. This is the worst possible word. Our F word, that, that really means sex, like you mother effort, that would mean nothing to them. You have sex with your mother. Okay, that's stupid. I don't do that. You call me a snake? You say I am a snake? And, and it doesn't even stop there. See, I got to open your mind up to what Jesus actually did to these boys. Jesus went on a long rant with them one time. Later on, he says, woe to you teachers of the law, you hypocrites. Then he says here, you make them twice as much a child of, a child of hell as you are. You blind guys. He calls them hypocrites, a child of hell. He then calls them blind guides. He continues on here. He says, woe to you teachers of the law. Uh, you, you blind guides, you strain at a gnat but swallow a camel. You hypocrites, calls them a hypocrite again. You're full of greed, self-indulgent. He says you, uh, well, here we go, you are like whitewashed tombs there in verse 27. You look beautiful on the outside, dirty on the inside. It says he calls them hypocrites again. It's almost like every statement starts off by calling them hypocrites. And then he says here, you snakes, you broad of vipers, calls them all of those wonderful names. And then that's where he basically says, now I'm going to tell you where you're going. Okay. Now, my friends, there is no way around this. If you don't think that is a curse from Jesus, you don't even know what a curse is from Jesus. He's called, he's called them every possible thing. And another place, he says, do not give your pearls to the swine. Do not give your pearls to the swine. Who do you think he's referring to as the swine? Y'all read your Bible? Who do you think he's referring to as the swine there? I want to see if you know who he think, you think. He's talking to the Jews. Why is he calling them swine? Because swine is the number one hated animal among Jews. And he's saying, don't give it. If they act like this and don't listen to you, they act like pigs. He said they act like pigs. As a matter of fact, that's, the still, that's still the Bible. How many believe that's still the Bible? If you don't listen to me when I go street witnessing to you, I'm supposed to walk away from you because you're acting like a pig. Now, is that niceness according to this world? Is that social niceness? No, but keep going. You brought a vipers. You, how can you who are evil, and he calls them evil, say anything good? For 
The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken, for by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. So now here's the deal. Is Jesus going to be condemned because he has called them vipers, snakes, whitewashed tombs, referred to them as uh, swine by reference, and all of these other things? Children of hell. Is, is his words going to come back and judge him? No. Now the reason is, and this is where we got to go a little bit deep, is you have to understand that the Bible uses these words in very extreme ways to help get points across. Now, this is going to be adult language, but it is in the Bible. You may not put this verse on your refrigerator or post it as a meme, but it is in the Bible. In Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 23, the Bible, even because this is the way of the prophets as well, Harsh language was used at times. I got the wrong reference here. It's, it's a Jeremiah chapter 2, rather. I have Ezekiel 2, but it's supposed to be Jeremiah 2, and then there, the other one is Ezekiel. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 23, and it's going to get a little bit crazy because I haven't said all the bad words yet. Okay, are you guys ready? Y'all ain't ready. How can you say, I am not defiled? He is upset with the Jews. You are defiled. I have not run after the Baals. That's what you're saying, right? Back to God. See how you have behaved in the valley? Consider what you have done. You are a swift she-camel. <laughs> you are a son of a bee. That's literally, you all understand that you call a Jew a swift she-camel. What do you think that means to them? Do you understand to us a son of a bee sounds crazy? To, uh, to, to, to them a son of a bee, they wouldn't understand it. Just like you don't understand a, shift, a, 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 a swift she-camel. Now, thank God I didn't say the S word there. I said shift, shift, not swift. I said it wrongly, but not the S-H word there. Which, by the way, in some cultures is fine. We're going to talk about all this. I, that's what I'm telling you. This is still my intro. You are a swift she-camel running here and there, a wild donkey accustomed to the desert, sniffing the wind in her craving. You sniffing the wind. What are you sniffing the wind for? In her heat, who can restrain her? You a wild donkey in heat. Are you even ready for that in the King James? I'm going to read it in the King James and mess some of you up right now. But I must. Somebody say he must. I am not polluted. I have not gone after Balaam. See the way in the valley. Know what thou hast done. Thou art a sweet dromedary, which is a King James word for, for camel, which we don't know that. We don't know what that is. So good thing the modern translation helped us out there. Trans, transversing her ways, a wild ass used to the wilderness that sniffeth up the wind at her pleasure. You are a wild ass. You think I am cussing up in this church. Partially I am, but I'm reading the King James Bible. Why are you so sensitive to this? But it's all right. It's all right. It's our culture, right? We understand we don't say the word ass and do it in such a way that's appropriate. But ass is another word for donkey. Do you see just how words change over time? 
And so where do you think calling people an ass came from? It came from the Bible. Their prophet, our prophets, called people to wild ass. You wild ass. You think I'm cussing? I'm just telling you what the Bible says. But we all, we, we all think like Joe's just lost his credentials. He can't be a pastor again. But I am just telling you what the Bible called people, called them wild asses, wild donkeys. Do you understand Christ-likeness is not social niceness? I'm saying that today because I'm not doing this to be controversial. It bothers me too. That's why I'm not actually saying the other cuss words. I'm not, that's not, I'm not saying the son of a B word because it, that would have to get bleeped out. That's not in our Bible. But I'm telling you, being called a she-camel is equal, equal to being called a son of a bee. It is all words, and they're being used to describe things, and sometimes they are curses. They are, they are condemning behavior. And so we should not swear. What is actually swearing? I swear to God. The Bible says don't do that. Never swear. But sometimes we call cursing swearing, and that's where we get the two confused. Swearing is swearing upon God or something else. Bible says don't do that. Let your yes be yes, your no be no. But cursing, you may actually have to do. Prophets had to do it. Jesus had to do it. So now how do you reconcile that with not saying unwholesome words? How do you reconcile that? Well, that's where we now need to understand in morality that there is a difference between objective and subjective and absolute versus relative. Now let me tell you this. We as Christians believe in objective morality. That means God determines what is wrong and what is right. And what he determines is wrong and right is always right and wrong. But here is the difference here. We do not believe when God lays down his objective laws that they are always absolute. Sometimes his objective laws are relative to the situation. Can I give you an an understanding to this? The Bible says thou shall not kill. And there can be a word study done on that, meaning thou shall not murder technically in the Hebrew. But if you read the King James, it says thou shall not kill. But are there times we kill? Are there relative times to that objective law? Yes, there, are. Yes, there is. And so how do we know when it's okay to kill? When you're defending yourself, right? When you're punishing someone that has broken the law and those kinds of things. So when we say relative ethics, we don't always mean it the way that they mean it. What we mean is, yes, there are times where the Bible has commanded us to do certain things that we're not, uh, not to do certain things, but we're now allowed to do in those situations. But who determines those situations? It is God. So you must find precedence in the Bible for relative situations with objective morality. Now, some of you think objective and relative are the opposites of each other, and that is not true. That's why William Lane Craig takes his time to say, no, what is the difference is objective, subjective, relative, and absolute. And so if we say that it's absolutely wrong all the time to say, you fool, like Jesus, Jesus says in Matthew, don't call someone a fool or you're in danger of hell. Now we have a problem because Jesus calls somebody a fool in the same book. It can't be absolutely wrong at all times to call someone a fool. It is relative to the situation. Now because I believe it's relative to the situation, does that mean I'm subjective in my morals? Whatever goes, goes. No, I'm objective. I believe that in every situation, God tells us what to do. 
He's telling the prophets to say, you're going to shock them right now, and you're going to blow their mind. And by the way, I didn't even get to the PG-13 stuff. I didn't even get to the PG. Let me go there, because y'all didn't even know there was PG-13 stuff. Let a Muslim show this to you in your Bible, and you'll be like rocked, and then they'll mess with you. But don't, don't be thrown off by it. The Bible uses this language to teach us lessons. The Muslim or the accuser of our scriptures will say, look how perverted your scriptures are. How can you say this is holy words? But these are words describing sinful behavior. Yet, talking about Israel, she became more and more promiscuous as she recalled the days of her youth when she was a prostitute in Egypt. There she lusted after her lovers whose genitals were like those of a donkey's and whose emission was like that of a horse. It's okay to laugh. Have you ever been to the zoo and seen the genitals of a donkey or a horse? I have. And let me tell you, that is quite a surprising scene. It is quite a surprise. Like, whoop. It's like, here comes the man for prayer now. Yes, we all are going to pray. No, if you have ever seen how horses and donkeys mate, those animals, it, it's quite impressive. Let's just say that. Very impressive. Some of you are Googling right now, genitalia for a donkey. Genitalia for a donkey. Watch you get flagged by some like watch group, you know, like the CIA or something. Like, why are they doing? We better watch them, you know. Okay. You want to hear that one in the King James? Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Well, she multiplied her whoredom. She's a whore. Look at how quiet that gets. Uh, She multiplied her whoredoms in calling to remembrance the days of her youth, wherein she played the harlot, she played the hoe, in the land of Egypt. For she dotted upon their paramours, whose flesh is as the flesh of asses, and whose issue is like the issue of horses. Isn't that sad? That's what they did. The Bible sanctions that kind of talk. Well... Is it absolutely wrong to talk like that? Is it absolutely wrong to talk like that? Yes or no? No. Why? Our Bible sanctions it. Galatians chapter 3 verse 1, Paul says, You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? King James. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Exactly the same. Okay, let's try New Living Translation here. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Let me read it from William Lane Craig to help you understand these differences here. The opposite of objective is subjective. The opposite of absolute is relative. Now, very little reflection is needed to see that relative does not mean subjective. Just because one's moral duties are relative to one's circumstances doesn't in any way imply that they are subjective. That there is not an objectivity, an objective right or wrong to do such and such in a situation. So the distinction, objective-subjective, is not the same as absolute-relative. Absolute means regardless of circumstances. So, hey, we're about ready to go to war. And it's wrong now to say, you female she-camel, because all I can say is, you dirty dog, I'm going to get you. No, in times of war, cuss them out, he's saying. It's all right. We would cuss out our enemies. Now, what words would you use? You're going to call them mother effers. I I don't think that's necessarily the best, you know. Use words that describe their behavior and curse it as you go to fight it. The police officer doesn't have to say, you bad man. He can say, you stupid criminal. Stop. What are you doing, you know. 
why are you all looking at me like you don't understand this? And when I'm preaching and using the gospel, I have the right to say these ways of doing Father Tom. Father Tom is a whitewashed tomb. Now it gets quiet. See, I know if I would have just stopped here, Adam, the message would have been just so awesome. Right here. See, if I would have ended right here and then go into controversial stuff, I, would, I could have even have read this, and they wouldn't even have caught the contradiction. I, my guess is about probably nine, 90% of you wouldn't even have caught it. But see, you have a pastor that's going to keep it real. So at least nod your head every now and then. Amen. Come on. Let me preach it to you. You need to understand there are times where you're going to curse with your words. There are going to be times where you describe wicked behavior and you say it's going to hell with the devil. There's going to be times where you're going to have to tell your children, these, these friends you're hanging out with are knuckleheads. They are fools. You're going to have to use tough language in life. And you got to know when to do it, amen? Because you will be judged by your words. Let's keep going. We can agree, for example, that it's absolutely wrong to kill or murder another person. In some circumstances, killing another person may be morally justified and even obligatory. If I say I can never kill, and all of a sudden someone's raping my wife, now I'm going to be held morally responsible for not stopping the man raping my wife. I'm committing another act of evil, the act of being a, uh, the evil act of being a bystander. To affirm that one's moral duties vary with the circumstances is not to say that we have no objective moral duties. We're not saying we don't have objective moral duties just because there's certain times where we have to let God teach us how to say certain things or do certain things. Objective simply means independent of people's, including their own opinion. Subjective means a matter of personal opinion. If we do not have objective moral duties, then the various circumstances in which we find ourselves, we are obligated or forbidden to do various actions regardless of what we think. Excuse me, if we do have the objective moral values, we are obligated to do whatever God says to do, whatever, regardless of what we uh, think. So here's, here's the application. Let me just say this after I've shocked a whole lot of you today. Here's the application is that how we use our words in varying circumstances will be judged by Jesus' objective standard of wholesome and edifying speech. So get this today in closing. It's obvious that I'm not supposed to slander, but I may have to tell your business to somebody if you're affecting their life in a wrong way. See how I just made that application? Don't call what I'm doing slander when I'm your pastor and i got to guard people around you. Well, that's slander. That's none of their business. I said it's their business. I'm in charge here. If you don't like it, go find another church, right? I'm a parent to my children. If I get upset with them and start cussing at them, unwholesome speech, I'm going to be judged by God. I curse the behavior of their friends, the behavior of things that they may be tempted to, good parent. So the way I like to see it is oftentimes we don't need to attack the person necessarily, just attack the behavior. This behavior is stupid. This behavior is beneath you. This behavior, you you get what I'm saying? But sometimes you have to say the actual thing to the person. You are perverted. You are a fool. You are a violent person. But you will be judged. If you have heard all of this today, and now somehow you think you have permission to use your words lightly, you miss the whole point. Because Jesus was not hitting his thumb while he was doing carpentry work, saying, oh, you she-camel, as she hit his thumb. 
See, that would be an empty word, an empty word that he would be judged by. But when he comes to judge them, he will be speaking curses over them. And the book of Jeremiah and Ezekiel says he even did that back then. He spoke those curses as he came to judge them. So here's what I think we should do. Just three areas, three areas that I think challenge a church like us that takes the word of God seriously. Number one, in our preaching, we should be open open to exposing people's behavior, but we're not hating them. When Jesus was even exposing these Jewish people's behavior, going off on a Matthew 23 rant, and he's basically saying they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God, he's doing that in brokenness. He is hurt over that. Number two, in our family, in dealing with each other, anytime I communicate to my wife in name-calling or out of anger and frustration, that will never produce the righteousness of God. So I should always use my words to build her up and edify. But if I have to describe something I don't like, I should also be equally as honest. So let's say my wife hasn't done this, but let's say she argues with me in public. It would be right for me to say, I hate it when you do that. I don't like that at all. That makes us look stupid when you argue with me in public. Do you get that? You got to be careful in your marriage, but same thing with your kids then. And then lastly, when you come to your job, and you work in a real adult world where the things that make our ears really feel sensitive, like, oh, I don't like hearing that stuff, you may have to use tough language with people to get their attention sometimes. You may have to do that. I'm not here to uh, tell you to live a lifestyle of that, but I'm saying that sometimes you you may have to get up in people's faces. You may have to say, I don't like this. Don't do that. We're not doing that here. Or, you know, you just got to get real with people. That's all I can say. And when you do that, do it in such a way that's wholesome and edifying. Because I believe even if we use these kinds of words, these words that may be tough for people to hear, if we're Christ-like, it will get the point across. Amen? Now, are you going to go out from here cussing and just acting crazy? No. You're going to use your words to build people up. And this is what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Would you stand up with us today and give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Come on, we love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus, even though you said some tough things, Lord. Hallelujah. Altar workers, band, would you come, please? How many are going to stick around for second service just to hear me say those words again? Don't you tell anybody from second service how it went down, though. I want it to be just as shocking for them as it was for all of you. Should have seen some of your faces. Probably should have seen my own face. Probably I was getting red, you know. But our words are meant to speak life. Even though Jesus was coming hard at those Jewish guys, he's coming hard through the prophets. It's still for the purpose of good. It's to lift them up. It's to build them up. It's to see their life change. It's to wake up the sleeper. And so what I want us to do is start off right now repenting of all the times we know we blew it. Because we're Christians. We're not making excuses. You know when you were just cussing the cuss, using the F word like it was an adjective. Oh, that's so effing awesome. That's a, No, that's, that's an empty word. That's an unwholesome word. There is no benefit in that. Can I get an amen? You see, we know that. And so let's repent of those empty words. Let's repent 
of the foulness that we've had towards people, which wasn't for their edification. It wasn't to build them up. It wasn't to help them. It was out of our anger. Can we repent of that now? Father, we repent for all these empty words, unwholesome words we've talked without the purpose of building people up, without the purpose of helping them. We were unchristlike. So Lord, forgive us. Search our hearts. If you're here today and you're a non-Christian, just ask the Lord to, to forgive you of all your sins. Say, forgive me, Jesus. Come into my heart. I believe in you. Call him the Lord of your life today. Jesus will save you. He loves you. For those of us who are Christians, you were taught in regard to your old way of life to take it off, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. True righteousness and holiness. We repent, Jesus, when our words were not righteous and holy. Come on, when the dog made a mess and we cussed out the dog, that wasn't righteous. When we've slandered other people, when we've set obscenity, when we've watched these shows that use their words so flippantly and they're vulgar, we repent, God. A few more moments. Look at your entertainment. Look at your music. Look at the way you've talked. Get it all out today. Say, Lord, I want to start with the pure heart, clean hands. I want to be who you called me to be. I want to talk right. And not even just with bad words, if you've been harsh. Jesus was not always using tough language. Most of the time, what is he doing? He's using the more acceptable, kinder speech, right? So I know for me, I would use this kind of uh, message as an excuse to be harsh with people all the time. It's like, get over it. I'm just being Jesus. I'm telling you, stop being a wild ass. That's what the Bible tells you. But you know what? We're not supposed to do it that way, right? If you've been harsh with your kids, repent. If you've been harsh with people on your job or your employees, repent. Lord, keep us. Keep our words holy. We take off on wholesome speech and put on godly words today. As you sense the Lord now, would you just raise up your hands and start speaking words of life? Come on, start speaking words of life over your family, over your jobs. Use prayer right now as a way to bless people. Lord, we bless you. We bless our job. We bless our co-workers. We bless our enemies. The Bible says bless your enemies even though they despitefully use you. We bless them, Lord. We bless them. We bless our family. We bless our children. We ask you to pour out your spirit upon them to save them. Come on, pray for three or four people in your life right now for the Lord to bless them. Bless them on their job. Bless them in their family. Bless them in their finances. Bless them in their health. If they're not saved, bless them with salvation, Lord. Wake up, O sleeper. Rise from the dead. And Christ will shine.